Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm really excited that I get to be here with Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus, who are founders of She Works His Way, which is a discipleship community for working women who love Jesus. They're also authors of a book of the same name. It's She Works His Way, a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. And I am really excited to just dive into this conversation and this topic. Um, thank you, ladies, for joining us today. Thanks for thank having you. us. Um, before we get started, um, we like to ask all of our guests on the podcast what your favorite prayer closet is, which could be off the wall. It could be a literal closet. It could be something just wherever, where do you like to go to feel close to God? I have two. So I keep post-it notes on the behind my office door because I need to get up every once in a while. And so throughout my day, I'll go grab a couple of post-it notes that have things that I'm praying for. And I'll just kind of make some laps around the house. Cause I work oh, from home. I um, love that idea. But also like my favorite place is on a paddleboard in the middle of a lake. And so I love it because, you know, lakes are normally loud, boats are loud. And so I can just get out there. There's no distractions. There's nothing in my hands. Nobody's around me. And I can just really, I'm looking at God's creation. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. So the majority of our lakes are even surrounded by mountains. And so it's beautiful. I'm just surrounded by what I feel like is got some of God's best work, some of his best creative work. And I just, I mean, I, I pray out loud. I am certain that I look like a crazy person to people, anyone who would see me. Um, but in the age is, of Bluetooth though, and, and having wireless, you know, they might just true. think you're talking to somebody on the phone. It's true. <laughs> like a like, really good that friend. Is, that is an intense conversation <laughs> happening over there. Right, right. The hands in the air. Well, Everything. my my sister-in-law actually is from Asheville and we were just in North Carolina visiting family over Christmas. So um, See what yeah. I mean? It's beautiful here. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And it was great weather when we were there too. It was so pretty. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, Alana, my co-host of the podcast is a huge post-it note fan. She loves using post-it notes and she's also a walker. Like she'll pace to pray and to think. And so, yeah, she can totally relate to that. Love, that. love it. And Summer, how about you? Mine is just, it used to be the car. And I think that was the season of life I was in with pick up, drop off and everything. I I had the most incredible opportunity for prayer in the car, but then we moved to the city and I don't get in the car anymore. And so now mine's outside. Anytime I'm outside, I walk everywhere. Sometimes I will decide that I need to go grocery shopping just for the walk to the grocery store because I need to pray, but it is the best, most perfect way. I love it. And I also, I have found in my own life that my prayer closets have changed over the seasons. Of oh life. yeah. And yes. it almost in some ways makes me sad. You know, my garage for a long time was my prayer closet because it was, um, what would you call it? Sensory. Like it was, it was like a sensory, um, break because mm-hmm. it was dark. It was quiet. It was, you know, and when I had little kids running around, I could step out and what, what started it was I would go to take the trash out and put the trash or the recycling in the bins in the garage. And I just wouldn't bother turning the light on. And I just, one day was like, I like this. And I just <laughs> stayed there and I'm like, Hey, the kids, they're right on the other side of the door. It'll just be a minute or two. But in that minute or two, I mean, I have cried in that garage. I've mm-hmm. 
literally cried out to God in that garage. I've just poured my heart out to him. I've praised him. And, and when I realized that I don't do that anymore, because I have different outlets and different time to be alone, I was kind of sad because it, it yeah. really does. It, it holds memory for me. So yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to get into this topic of your ministry. You all have a, you have a whole ministry. You've got all kinds of things, a membership community, you've got a conference and now a book. Um, but could you give us an idea of how she works his way began and kind of what inspired you all to start this ministry? Oh, it started because we needed it. And so it did not begin as a ministry. It started as a conversation with four friends. So it was the two of us and two of our other friends, Liz and Emily. And we just started meeting on Google Hangout. I know nobody goes there anymore, but we were meeting on Google Hangout at actually five o'clock in the morning Mm. because it was the only time that all of us were available despite time zones and schedules. None of us amazingly had a conflict at five o'clock in the morning, but we just started asking each other, these questions about like, I am wrestling with this tension. We always just call it this tension between what I feel like the world expects of me and what God, God says about me and trying to do both. I am exhausted and I just need to come somewhere where I can be honest about my struggles and have someone who is going to point me back to truth and point me back to what God has already said. And so I love the way Summer always words this, so I'm going to steal it. Uh, She says that they bullied me into starting an Instagram account, which is about 90, it's 90% true. Uh, It was the kindest bullying everywhere. Uh, But they just were like, more women need to have this conversation. Michelle, you're the writer. Like, let's start writing this down. Let's start inviting other women into the conversation. Let's see what God does. And I think the sweetest part about the ministry has simply been that it has never been a strategy. It's always, God has always brought women here to have this conversation. And the next steps that we've taken have centered around who's here and what do they need? Mm. And so that was, that was how it started. It's how we still roll today. Yeah. Do you have anything to add summer? Any other insights into the, those beginning days? Sure. 5am was way too early for me. (laughs) And so she was bullied into Instagram and I was bullied into 5am. I just want to be clear about that. No, it was the sweetest time. And I think the other thing that just helps with the context of how she works as we started is the time when it started, which was back during the height of the entrepreneurial movement, especially Mm -hmm. of women at home working Mm -hmm. and our availability or opportunities being so open to us working from home and having self-help, personal development, just constantly flooding our minds. So much information via social. So social media gave us this opportunity to work. And then it also became this information that we were being inundated with. And so it became the other reason why I think four real friends had to get together. Still, it was still virtual, but it was four real friends that had to get together and actually say out loud the truth of scripture, because it didn't matter how much we thought we knew it. Everything we were listening to was making, it was diluting it if it wasn't completely opposite from it. And so we had to say it out loud to each other to really come to a place where we're like, all right, that's why this doesn't feel right. What do we do about it? I love that. And I feel like 
there are two different uh, maybe like warring things when, when you're a woman that is in the workplace or an entrepreneur or anything that doesn't necessarily fit into the mold of the, um, you know, leave it to beaver mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, I think on one side, maybe our Christian culture and maybe the Christian mom crowd might, there might be tension against going after your dreams, going after your, um, workplace goals, um, pursuing success in the way that God places it on your heart to, if it doesn't align with what maybe that, and I'm not saying everyone, there are plenty of supportive Christian women and men for women in the workplace, but I feel like there's that tension. And then there's this other tension of you deserve this chase your dreams at all costs. Uh, you don't owe anyone anything and your family should never, uh, you know, take away from your, your passion and your go-getterness. So how do you, do you agree with that first of all? And yeah, and you, oh, we're I both, mean... Michelle and I are both shaking our heads so intently with okay. what you just said. Okay. We're both like, okay, what, who's going to answer this one? I think I know. we both probably have answers to this one. Mm-hmm. First of all, yes. Okay. Yes. And amen. 100%. And I think too, I won't even put the blame all on the other Christian women and how they looked at me. It was on how, what my expectations were of myself raised as a pastor's daughter and a pastor's wife Mm -hmm. and called to the workplace, but not understanding that the workplace was allowed to be my calling. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that that was something that was okay. I thought that my calling was something that was mom, wife, muffin maker, room mom. And then everything you did outside of that was because you had to, or because you needed to, or something like that. And then understanding that the calling on my life to the workplace was a calling from God, that when he knit me together in my mother's womb, he made me in such a way that made me interested in business that made me gifted in areas that the marketplace could use that could benefit my family. And it didn't mean that choosing those, I didn't choose my family. It meant that in choosing those, I chose God's way. And that was the difference between what you said, the two sides of either chase your dreams and do all the follow your passions, which I disagree with, or the don't chase your dreams, don't follow your passions and stay home and do all I disagree with in the middle is God's way. And he gives us these passions and he shows us how to walk them out in our lives. And so all we have to do is be in the middle of this place where he has called us to and to stay in step with him. And then we get to move in the way that he needs to move us. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And all of the passions and desires that he gives us in our heart are okay for us to chase because they're from him. So yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. I mean, I think back to those first conversations that we were having. And I think the thing that we bonded over the most is this feeling of no matter where we went, we felt misunderstood. Yeah. Whether it was, I am the only woman who works, who's at this Christian gathering, or I am the only believer at my job in, in this space, I constantly feel misunderstood. And like Summer said, that's not placing blame on anyone else and pointing fingers. It's a lot of the misunderstanding that we have of our own calling of what God has called us to. And the confidence that we were looking for 
what we weren't going to find it in being understood by people anyway. But what we had to do was understand who God is and what he had called us to. And that gave us the confidence to step into those unknown, unfamiliar, misunderstood places and still be able to know I'm here because of the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so hit the nail on the head to say, both of you said there was, it wasn't just other people. It was, there was an inner voice and an inner belief that was hindering you, or maybe even for me, a lot of times I put expectations or thoughts on other people that they might not even be having. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to say that those thoughts on either side don't get thought, but but, you know, when we're, when we're so concerned with what other people are thinking, it does chisel away at our value. And I just love that you saw the need to find other women and encourage each other in who God says you are and what God's word says, because that just, I mean, it's so important to have that, that groundedness. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, um, Let's see, Michelle, I, so I love, I love this one quote from your story. You both share your stories in your book um, of kind of how the journey that God had brought you on. And Michelle, you say, if you're like me, it's much easier to call something a struggle than to call it a sin. But when we don't call sin what it is, it's much easier to overlook the idols in our lives that hit hard. Can you share this, just your story about having this, you know, what seemed like the ideal job and kind of when you realized that there was a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Tim Keller was the one that talked about how the human heart is an idol factory mm. and truthfully, I, I mean, I felt like I was a walking testimony of that starting from a young age of wanting to win the approval of my teachers with good grades to, as I got into high school, wanting to have attention by, by boys and have male approval and then to get the great job. And so it was constantly, I was putting something of like, okay, when, when I get this, then I'll be satisfied and then it will work. And then eventually, because I would recognize that's, that's not going to work and that's not going to satisfy me. So what I would try to do is I would try to make it less important and so instead of, I, I was just replacing the idol with something new every single time. And it wasn't until I recognized the only way that another idol is not going to pop up in my heart and in my life is if I, instead of trying to reduce my affections for the other idols that I've made take the place, like I've got to grow my affection for God and I've got to be able to make God more. And when I started making God more constantly and just reminding myself of who he is and his goodness and pouring more of myself into that. That was the only way that I could have something in my life that was worthy of my worship that wouldn't let me down, that never needed to be replaced by anything else. And so that was my constant struggle. And I think uh, the reason why Summer and I shared our stories and went first, like we said, this this ministry started as a conversation. And so we felt like before we can dig into any of these other topics, we have to go first. And so we, we say that it's like a chapter one is like a speed dating best friend <laughs> version of let me, let me tell you everything that I've thought in my inner thoughts to make, cause I think maybe that you can probably relate to, to one of us or both of us uh, from a sense, but understanding that 
God's the only one that's not going to let me down. God is the only one who will satisfy me and not looking to anything else to fill me or satisfy me and knowing that my approval is in him alone and that I don't have to have the approval of anything else. That, that was when the, when it changed for me. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. And I could definitely, I could relate to both of your stories, different facets of each of your mm-hmm. stories, which I love the fact that you both shared from such different perspectives. So Summer, your story was a little bit different from Michelle's. What were your struggles? It was kind of, you know, different, different type of struggles. Yeah, it, it was the same, but different, which is yeah. really, it's just Michelle and I in so many ways, <laughs> yes. the same, but different. That's our and friendship. Mine, yeah. And mine really was about proving myself, like proving myself, proving myself to myself. Mm-hmm. And it was a constant fight because you, when you become your own competition, then you never win because you're always there to compete with. And so it was absolutely exhausting. But for me, I just had to understand that nothing is a competition, that there isn't anything here on earth that I'm going to win that is really worth winning, that my whole entire life and purpose is wrapped up into an eternal view of what's what's going on and to a God that loves me more than anything and that I don't deserve to love me and that there's nothing I can do to earn it and there's nothing I can do to ruin it. And so when you come to that place where you actually figure that out, which by the way, takes, oh goodness, it takes saying over and over and over again. It's like a practicing of thoughts in your mind and you still in my opinion, won't get it because it's hard to comprehend that that is that God loves me enough that I, and I can't earn it and I can't ruin it. But when you come to that place, you just learn that it is a waste of time to keep trying to prove yourself mm-hmm. because you've already, it, we're proven, we're his, we belong to Christ. And then you settle in this space that is Um, It doesn't mean you're no longer driven or no longer ambitious, or you no longer want to do huge and mighty things. They're just channeled in the proper place, which takes the pressure off of you and puts it on the Holy Spirit inside of your life, which then it highlights the voice of the Holy Spirit. It elevates the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can't help but hear and listen and move in him. So it's this beautiful chain reaction that all starts with me understanding who I am and who God is and how that is so, so, so different, but how that I get to be his child. Insane. And it should be mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I love that. There's nothing that I've done to earn it and there's nothing I can do to mess it, it. to ruin it. That's right. I like that. I'm going to write that down somewhere. I think (laughs) (laughs) that is really good. It's really good. Yes. Um, I really liked the question, Summer, that you asked your kids. Can you reflect on that? That was powerful. Just, mm. yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to. So one thing that's I don't do well is have a good memory. So when people ask me specific parts of the book, sometimes I can't remember. You know exactly, it, but- and I even, there are a couple of parts in our notes that I put in there for you to remember <laughs> like the prayer that I want you to pray at the end, but I, I did not put those in. Um, That's okay. What about That's the gist okay. of the questions that you asked your kids? Yes. Cause I don't remember them specifically, but just what, what was the nature of those questions? Cause yes. I think we can come up with the specifics individually. 
Okay. Okay. So I'll never forget the moment. I'll never forget that time. Like there's, it is, it is written in my brain and on my heart forever and ever. And I don't remember the specific questions that I asked the girls They're in the book, but I do remember being at a place in my life where I felt so torn and so exhausted and almost inside out is the best way to describe who I was. I had nothing left. And I had these two beautiful girls and um, this career that had just developed into something that was so multi-focused and everything that I was reading was telling me that that was a good thing, that that was, I mean, that was the right thing. That was what was happening um, due to all of my hard work. But I felt far from my girls. And I knew that what I needed to do was um, give them permission to hold me accountable and to really just ask what they thought of my career, what they thought of my job. And that was basically how the conversation got started. And being the kind-hearted, wonderful humans that they are, even to this day, because my girls are 19 and 21 now, and I still ask them how they feel about my job, by the way. Um, But in that moment, just saying, how do you feel about it? They were so kind in their reply because I think they could tell I wanted to do better. I Mm. think that they knew that. I just needed to know how to know better or how to do better. And they, they told me, they told me, and it was just this reminder that, Hey, we see you and you have a job and we understand that it's to provide for our family, but we need more of you. Mm -hmm. And it was the easiest yes that I've ever said in my entire life. I mean, so easy. I just needed to hear it from, uh, from them. Mm -hmm. And how did you at that moment, what, how did you know what to change or how to change it? Well, I think I just needed to be told it was okay for me to pull back from mm. the career side of things. Right. And I had so felt called to be in the marketplace and to be a working woman. But so many times we take the gifts that God gives us or the calling that God gives us. And then we kind of manipulate them to be powered by us. If that makes sense, instead of just moving in what he moving in what he's asked us to do or walking in the spirit in the way that we're supposed to. And I believe what I had done has taken is I had taken this beautiful gift and opportunity from the Lord. And I was like, oh, you got me here. I'll take it the rest of the way, God. And then I got myself in too far. And so just hearing the girl say that and knowing in my heart of heart where I needed to do better in my home and understanding that making those little women into disciples and into disciple makers themselves would take priority over anything else. That truth helped me feel confident in their response to me and in my response to my career, which was pull back. And if something doesn't go right, and if money is attacked. And if I lose something out there, that's so much better than if I lose their souls, than if I lose my relationship with them, than if I lose my opportunity to influence and speak into their lives. And so I wanted that. And God was so good to open my eyes to it. I love that. And just, it's a reshuffling of priorities and Mm -hmm. just being intentional. Mm -hmm. I remember one time a friend was praying over me and she said something to the effect of, um, I don't remember the exact words, but something about don't, uh, you know, don't something about, um, false priorities 
false priorities, like, mm-hmm. like this idea that I had false priorities that I thought were priorities that weren't given to me by God, things that I had taken on in addition that might look similar to the thing, the things that he's given me as priorities and as, you know, assignments and it's, but, but things that were not necessary and not from God. And, and it's sometimes hard to discern that. And sometimes it does take prayer and sometimes it does take, you know, pivotal moments, but like in the case of, I love the fact that just talking to your kids, if you're a mom that has a career, just asking, what do you think about this? Am I on the phone too much? I think that was one of yeah, yeah. One of them. Am yeah. I on the phone too much? Or, you know, what, what, what do you think about what I'm doing and how it affects you? What do you wish things were like if you had your ideal? And it doesn't mean that it's going to look exactly like that, but those get you thinking and kind of reassessing mm-hmm. those priorities. So I think that's great. Yes. And I want to be really clear about one thing too, because in that conversation, it's easy to think that I walked away from that and I quit the career. Right. And I quit the things, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. It was really more about the pace than mm-hmm. it was the quitting, which if I can just warn you right now, mom to mom, it is way harder to go slow than to quit. Quitting is easier. It would have been so much easier for, for sure. me just to say, I, I don't want to do this job anymore. I feel like God's called me to just quit this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to be self-control in the way of the, in the pace that I was moving. I had to pull back. So if you have that conversation with your child, I just want you to know that at the end of it, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is asking you to step away from the other areas of your life. He's just asking you to order them rightly. And that's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. unless you let him do the ordering for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, so true. That is true. Uh, Michelle, you, in your book, you mentioned that in those early meetings, that you all would ask each other these four questions. So can you go through those that the it's, it's the S W H W filter. <laughs> yes. The, she works his way filter. Uh, the, his only, way the only thing I don't like about the name she works his way is that it doesn't roll off your tongue in terms <laughs> of how you can say it shortly. Cause swa, hua just does not. That was really good. Swa, hua. That, <laughs> I mean, easy. we'll do that. I try. On. Sure. So if I could ever do it again and keep a straight face, I don't know that it would work. Um, But essentially what was happening is we, as working women, it wasn't like we could just run and hide from the world. We were going to conferences. We were sitting in meetings. We were reading books. We were listening to podcasts and it was very noisy transparently. It was just very noisy. And a lot of the information that we were hearing was good, but it it wasn't settling right. And it was almost, it was hard to put a finger on like, okay, why, why is this raising something in my spirit so much? Because it sounds good. And what they're promising on the end of it, like I I, I could handle that. Um, So we always say that some of culture's lies are blatant lies and they're very easy to identify. But then there's other ones that are socially acceptable, they're well-dressed, and they're just the truth twisted just enough to where it makes it more about us than it makes it about God. And so when we are inundated with all of this information, 
how do we run it through a filter that makes sure that we are not abandoning what is most important? And so the four questions essentially were, does this keep me dependent on God? Because there is so much personal development that is out there that pushes you to independence and self-sufficiency. And as believers, we, we are created as dependent creatures. And so staying dependent on God, instead of putting all of the pressure on ourselves is one of the most beautiful things about accepting the freedom that comes in Christ. And so does this keep me dependent on God? Another question that we ask is, does this keep me committed to the gospel? Because again, it's getting lost in those secondary things that are good endeavors, but maybe that keep me a little too tied up to where I don't have margin for people or I stopped attending church because I'm too busy and we're too tired and we need the weekend to recharge. Like all of these things that just can make us think through, okay, am I, am I living on mission, not in just what I think my purpose in my life is based on the task that is at hand, but understanding that I, God has given me a role in his great mission and that I get to play a part in his story by his grace and by his goodness, he lets me be a part of his story. And so does, does this would following this advice, would it keep me committed to the gospel? And then does it keep me dedicated to my family? And so that whole idea that the world is probably never going to push you to be a better wife and a better mom. It's probably not going to consider how, what it's asking you to do, the hours it's asking you to keep, how that's going to affect you at home. And so understanding that that is such an incredible gift that God assigned to you and assigned only to you. I mean, I always say like, I am James's only wife. I'm the only mom that was given to Noah, to Cole and to Shay. That is an exclusive assignment just to me from God. And so if I start going into all of these other things that transparently, I mean, I love the work that I do it. She works his way, but if I die tomorrow, it's going to continue. Because there's incredible women who are there that believe in the mission that are already there. And so they won't skip a beat, but my family, like there, there's going to be a hole there that, cause I'm, I'm the only one that's been given that, that job. And so I have to, I can't let the other callings that I share with other believers compete for the callings that I know wholeheartedly that God has assigned only to me. And then the last question is just simply, does this keep me effective in my work? And so it's the whole idea of recognizing that we, we define success. Summer wrote one of my favorite chapters in the book on success being obedience. And we get it really messed up and we let the world define success for us. And so when we're showing up in our work, the whole idea is not necessarily to, to be the best, but it is to be effective for the gospel and kingdom things, understanding that I'm here as God's representative. And that's like plan A and reason number one of why I'm here. We always talk about how we feel like the workplace is one of the most underutilized mission fields that exists in the world today, because we go there and we believe that we're there to fill a role, to complete a task, instead of understanding this is a group of people that God has put me in great proximity with, where I have common ground already established by the common goal that we work toward. And so establishing common ground with you and building a relationship because I get to see you every day is really, really simple. And so instead of trying 
to, to be the best and to hone in on my skill and to find my worth and my purpose and my value that way, seeing my effectiveness in my job is to be his representative. Like those are the four things that we try to think through. So does this keep me dependent on God? Does this keep me committed to the gospel? Does this keep me dedicated to my family? And does this keep me effective in my work? We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. And that filter, I mean, it acts as kind of a, like a, a litmus test for every decision you make for every new responsibility you add onto your, um, onto your plate, you know, you can, mm-hmm. you can test them by these things. I love that. And it just shifts your perspective. I mean, I've done the same thing two different at two different times and based on my perspective and how grounded I am in who I am and, and who God is and who I'm here for, you know, whose mission it is, whose job it is, whose ministry it is. I could do them in two totally different ways. And I think that's so good to have just to bring you back because it, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Those questions are excellent. Um, could each of you, I'm going to run through the, the different chapters because I like the way you laid this book out. So you have it laid out as kind of, um, like the God's way versus kind of what the world in contrast to, to what the world would have you do. So for instance, the first chapter is his way versus my way. And then it's you versus me serve versus lead, lose myself, find myself achievements, relationships, give, earn, know God, be known, skill, love, approved, approval. That's a good one. Obedience, success, and listen and be heard. And these are just great. Could each of you pick a favorite chapter that I, and I don't know, I guess it doesn't have to be one you wrote because you alternated who wrote each chapter, but yeah, just whatever, what was your, how about what was your favorite chapter to write? And then if you had a favorite chapter overall, that was different from that, you can share that too. Okay. So my favorite chapter that Michelle wrote was skill over love because it's a message that's unpopular and she was willing to go and say the hard thing. And I love it. It releases pressure. It reminds us what matters most is that we love people and not how talented and gifted we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. And it's not both. And it is love people 
period. And so that chapter just, I could read it a million times over. My favorite chapter to write, um, oh gosh, I loved writing Lose Myself, Find Myself. Both chapters that I loved writing have to do with my family. I loved writing Lose Myself, Find Myself because I had two daughters at the time that were like moving into college, graduating out from high school when we wrote this book. So it was the opportunity for me to tell them in written form, don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the world. You don't need to find yourself. You need to die to yourself. And that message is so absolutely hard and countercultural, but it is the most beautiful release on us when we finally get it. And the other one I loved writing was listen over, be heard. And that's because I live with the example of that. And that is my husband. He has taught me more about ministry in 23 years by not talking than anybody that has talked my ear off. So I love the fact that I learned that from him and it's something I wrote that I'm still working on, but those are my favorite. That's good. Listen over, be heard was my favorite that summer wrote. And she is giving a lot of credit to Kent and listen, he's awesome. And I echo everything that she said, but I can also tell you as her best friend, she lives every word that she wrote in that chapter. And she's a lot better example of it than she may is leading on right now. And so I got to read it as a, like just soaking it up as yes, this is so what we need to remember Um, my favorite sentence from that chapter where she said, we might be missing some huge gospel opportunities just because we're talking over them, like editing her chapters. When I first got them, like it was a straight up athletic event. Like when I got that chap, that sentence from her, like my heart rate went through the roof. I turned a cartwheel in my office. I ran a lap around my house. Like my Apple watch was telling me to start my workout because (laughs) that's like, I, if I had the funds, I would rent out a billboard and put that on there. And I think that every Christian needs to hear that on repeat over and over and over again. And so hearing her words, but then also knowing the example that backs them up, that was, that was so, so special. Um, hard to pick a chapter, but that was the first mm-hmm. one that came to my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my favorite chapter to write was serve over lead. Um, because I don't know if you've ever gotten stuck in a passage of scripture, but Matthew 23 is the chapter or the scripture that I break down in that chapter. And I read Matthew 23 every day for almost a year of just digging in. I had to know what it meant. I had to dig in. I had to find it out um, because it just, it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and he does not mince words. And I could not understand why, why do we not talk about this more? This is in, in terms of leadership and just not even in leadership because leadership is not a, leadership is not a title. You can, you can lead without a title. Leading is something that you naturally do if you're following Jesus, because he's first in line. And so hearing that was more that I, I needed to hear that about how to be a leader more than anything else leadership wise that I've listened to in my whole entire life. I just needed to have Matthew 23 on repeat. And so it's still 
a chapter that I probably read once a week. And so um, you get about a year's worth of tormented quiet times and wrestling (laughs) in, in one chapter in that one for me. That is a lot of bang for your book. No, that makes me, I'm, I'm literally going to read that chapter as soon as we get off of this interview. Cause I'm intrigued. So, so good. I love it. I love it. Um, well, for both of you, how do you think, how do we begin to decipher some of these flat out lies of the enemy? I mean, those are a little bit easier, but like then these half truths or twisted truths, what was your process of starting to decipher those things? I'm going to give you a, an annoying answer and then a practical answer. And okay. the annoying answer, I don't mean disrespectfully at all because it sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it has to, be, it has to come from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We are only going to be able to tell the truth from lies when we are looking through the eyes of the Holy spirit and we are seeing things the way he wants us to see things the way he sees things. So that has to happen. But the practical answer to that, that really helps us as women, I believe is we have got to bring people into our close circle who we can also have help decipher that for us. Like, no, that's, that doesn't sound right. They know us well enough and they love us well enough to be honest with us. And that's where community matters. And whether it's a super personal community or She Works His Way is a community of like a thousand women and we are global. So we have this community that we don't necessarily have super close relationships, intimate relationships with each other. But what we have in common is so intimate that we have the permission to speak truth into each other's lives and remind each other. So I think in order to decipher what the half truths and the, and the full out blatant lies of the enemy are, we have to be so tuned in to the gospel that when they like take a step in that either someone in our life pushes them out or the Holy spirit in our life says, no, that's red flag. Get away. I can add nothing to that. <laughs> the well, gospel check community check <laughs> yeah and you know you both said that there were things that were just kind of like just didn't sit right I mean I would call that the Holy Spirit in you yes kind yes. of that tension you know just if yes. you feel in your gut not that you need to you know the, the heart is deceitful above all things I'm not saying follow your heart all the time because sometimes the gut check is oh I don't want to do that because it feels hard or scary But if there's something that seems like you can't put your finger on it, what an amazing resource to have a group of women that chances are in a group of a thousand women, you've got someone who's gone before you in that, in that. Absolutely. You know, that God has done that work in them already, and then they can pass it on, you know, and they can answer that or say, I've Mm -hmm. been there and yeah, you're right. This isn't right. This is where it led, or this is where it could lead. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So true. That is really good. Um, so I think in one of my favorite parts, it was very early in the book, very, very early, maybe even in in the introduction, I don't know, but it, it was this quote, culture says that life balance is the solution. God says I am the solution. And you kind of expounded on this idea of balance is kind of bogus. Like it's not, we, we strive after balance And it's like, you know, we need to do the balancing act. We need to keep all the, all the balls in the air or whatever analogy you want to use. 
And you just kind of say that, you know, balance is kind of this illusion. So can you just expound on that? What does that look like for you personally? And, and what might that look like in the day-to-day life of a woman? Right. So the whole idea of balance, like if you just think about balance as a word, like it implies perfection and it implies everything in your life gets equal importance and somehow like things are fair. Like we try to go to our human logic side to define what balance means. And when we look at scripture, Matthew 6.33 is the verse that we come back to over and over and over again, because it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. I think it's so cool that even now when we think about it, because what does the world say? The world says, you just go after all the things. And if you have all the things, then they'll make you happy. And genuinely, we see the exact opposite in scripture telling us, hey, listen, come to me, come to me first, and then I will order everything else. And so we're not supposed to live a balanced life that figures out how to put God as just one of the many things that is on our plate. God is the plate. And then everything else in our life gets added to that. And he is the filter and he is the foundation for every piece of it. And that is when it finally makes sense. I love that. There are so many quotable quotes from this interview. God is the plate. He is the plate (laughs) (laughs) that, I mean, that just puts it all into perspective and, you know, rather than picturing all these different, you know, things that we have to do that we need to keep going. God is the plate and he's big enough to hold everything that that he's appointed for us to do that he intends for us to do. And, you know, I guess that's the challenge is, is, is knowing those things and knowing what needs to come off and what can come off and, and having the freedom to say no and the freedom to reprioritize based on God's voice and God's guiding. That's right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm. And Summer, what about you? Do you have a, what is, what does that look like in your life? Um, for me, I think Balance is just a word that Michelle, I believe, has taught me to erase in any way and to replace with surrender. Mm. And just when I'm trying to balance any part of my life, then instead of pursuing balance, I'm going to pursue surrender. And that also then lends itself to if there's a place in my life that starts to feel out of control or um, chaotic in a way that is causing me like turmoil inside, then more than likely that's probably an area that needs to be surrendered, not balanced. So it teaches me where I need to still be working on giving it all to the Lord. But I do hate that term. (laughs) I do hate the way that we have told women that it is something that is possible when I do not believe that it is possible um, in and of our own selves. I even think as believers to get to the end of the day and feel like everything went swimmingly is difficult. I believe that our time on earth will always be a struggle. 
Um, I think we're going to find deep and wonderful joy. I am, I am a reckless optimist. So for me to admit that there's struggle every day is big, but I think that our expectations of reaching this balanced life is going to lead us down a path of pursuing something that isn't there and just set us up for deep disappointment because we think the answer is in something that it isn't in and we'll never, never be content. So, um, surrender. Oh, I love that. And, you know, because isn't it the times that we feel that struggle and that tension that it, it leads to the blessing of realizing that we need God and yes. coming to the end of ourselves, which is always where God shows up the biggest. Right. Yes. Exactly. So if we can see that, that tension, that struggle, which I would previously describe as being out of balance as a negative thing. And I, you know, maybe strive after the balance itself for balance sake. Instead, I love that there's this word we can replace it with and say, I need to surrender right now. I need to let God know that I know that I'm not the answer and I don't have the answers and he does. And wow, like that's That's great. (laughs) Very good. Well, I would love before we wrap things up for one of you to read this prayer, which I don't know if you have your notes or not. Do you guys have your notes up with the questions? Um, I do prayer. That's just beautiful that you have in your book. Could you just pray that over women listening right now? Sure. Father, I come to you and confess that it is all too easy to live my life as a simultaneous attempt to be all that you created me to be and all the world expects me to be. In Jesus' name, I ask for your help to live my decision that the dual pursuit ends today. I'm trading life balance for full surrender. I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I trust that you will provide everything else. Position my heart to hear from you. Help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Give me discernment when I encounter half-truths and blatant lies. Do not allow me to be satisfied by counterfeit claims. God, keep us desperately dependent on you. Make us relentless in the pursuit of our family's hearts. Give us open eyes to remain effective in our work and daily give us opportunities to live out our commitment to the gospel. Reveal to me any idols that have taken your place and don't merely reduce my affection for them, Lord, but replace my affection for them with an unquenchable desire for you. Set our minds on things above, not earthly things. As I'm reading pages in this book, I beg you to speak to me, God. Convict me and correct me. Encourage me and equip me. Show me and shape me. Change me and use me. I'm all in for your kingdom calls. Soften my heart. Open my eyes. Give me willing hands. My life is yours. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm picking up my cross and following you today and every day after. I love you and I trust you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. I love it. Love that prayer. (laughs) Well, where can our listeners find you ladies connect with you online on social media and find out about all the different things you have to offer your book, your membership community and everything else. So sheworkshisway.com is the hub where you can go. You can go to sheworkshisway.com slash book, and that will take you to the book. You can actually download chapter one so that you can read the introduction that we talked about a lot. You can read it for free before you uh, choose to buy the book. And then the best way to get connected with us after that is to join the network. Um, we are on social media, but we do social media a little bit differently. So we're on social media on Tuesdays. 
And so we'll post a couple of times on Tuesdays, but it's so we can be in the network and in our communities and in our churches and in our families uh, best the rest of the week. So <laughs> social media on Tuesdays, um, and then we're in the network the rest of the week online. That's great. And um, so they can find all of that at sheworkshisway.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, how can I pray for each of you today? Mm. I'll close this up. I think for me, um, I just, I am so burdened for the women in my local community and my local church. And my church's name is South Shore Church. So if you would pray for my church, I would just be so honored. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll zoom out. Uh, we, we have a big passion for the local church. We always talk about how it is God's plan A. And one of the reasons why She Works His Way exists is because we pray that we can strengthen the churches like uh, is written in Acts 15, 41. And I believe that um, the church is being, being tested right now. And it needs people to work and to make efforts to strengthen it. Um, the harvest is plentiful. And so I'm just praying that Jesus will send workers into the harvest field in the church. All right. Well, we will do that. Well, Michelle and Summer, thank you so much for your ministry, for your heart for women and sharing your stories to encourage and just uplift other women and for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. God, we just thank you so much for this time together. We just thank you for the opportunity to redefine balance and to acknowledge that surrender is the key to operating in whatever tasks, ministries, um, assignments, divine appointments you have for us, God, whether that is working in the home, whether it's working outside of the home, whether it's ministry in the church or ministry in the workplace, God, you, um, you are the source of everything that we need where you've called us, you've already equipped us and will continue to do so. So we just today take a moment and surrender to you, God, and, and just acknowledge that you are the Lord of our lives. And we pray that you would help us to see clearly the, the things that you've placed in front of us and help us to just chase after those things for your glory, not our own. And with boldness and with confidence that would not be in any way affected by the words of the world or the words of the enemy or of anyone else. God, we just lift up. Um, we lift up summer to you. I just pray God that you would bless her, that you would just pour out your blessings on her and on her home and her family, on her ministry. Lord, we lift up South shore church to you, God. I just, I thank you for summer's heart for her community and her church. And we just Mm -hmm. pray God that you would just bless that church abundantly. We pray for unity. We pray for fellowship and we pray for just a revival and for just single-mindedness as they as a church grow stronger and you place the 
jobs and tasks in front of them that you have for them to do to just be a light to the community, to be that city on a hill for their community. God, allow them to have the financial resources that they need to do everything that they feel called to do and just allow them to do it with joy and with passion and just to, to stand out as, as salt and light. Lord, we just pray for Michelle. Thank you so much um, just for her passion for what she does. And we just, again, pray your blessing um, on her, on her home and her family, on her work, her ministry, her writing, her words. Lord, we just pray um, as she asked us to pray just for the church with a capital C, God, we are just, it, it is plain to see that the enemy is hard at work in the church today. And we just pray, God, that you would let no weapon formed against your bride, the church, to prosper. God, in Jesus' name, that you would protect your church, that you would allow for conversations to happen that need to happen mm -hmm. to open up wounds that are, have been long festering and, and just to bring healing, real true healing, God. We just pray against any divisions or quarreling or um, disagreements in the church that you would just allow for the body of Christ to come together, um, not in sameness, but in harmony, God, many different people, many different members of the body working together to bring glory to you, God. Don't let us lose sight of that father. We just pray that it would start with each one of us with a spirit of repentance mm -hmm. for ways that we have caused division or ways that we have not joined together in true fellowship or that we have judged God, that we would just be purged of all of those things so that we can come together and just be completely unified for the glory of your kingdom. And just to see your purposes unfold in ways never seen before in the history of the world. God, we just lift up. She works his way. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for this community of women. We just pray that you would open doors for it to reach more women than Michelle and Summer ever dreamed possible, and that it would just lead to revival in women's individual lives in your church locally and in, in the church with a capital C. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.